You're listening to the Growth Exponential Podcast. I'm your host, Bradley Caro-Cook. Today, I'm joined by Terry Bonnock, who is the CEO of Jewish Family and Career Services of Atlanta. The mission of Jewish Family and Career Services of Atlanta is to be guided by Jewish values and provide the best in-class person-centered solutions to address the dynamic needs of the Atlanta community. Terry, welcome. Thank you very much. It's great to have you. Myself, having grown up in Atlanta and benefited on many different levels from Jewish Family and Career Services you know, over the past, would say, I'm, what, hitting 40 now? So over the past 40 years for my family, myself, I first of all just want to say thank you for your leadership and everything that JFNCS has done over the years. While I know a little bit about JFNCS, I'd love to learn more. So could you share at a high level about Jewish Family and Career Services of Atlanta? Sure. So JFNCS, as stated in our mission, really is adaptive and dynamic as we look at what are the needs of our community. So for example, we have seven different service areas. We have a clinical practice that addresses the mental health needs of the community. We have a food pantry, and right now food insecurity is a big issue as we go through this pandemic crisis. We have an emergency financial assistance area that deals with people in real financial crisis. We have seven group homes that house people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. We have a day program for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. We have a career services program. So it's very broad, as you can see, but what aligns all of our service areas is our intention to make sure that each and every person in need has the services they need to be able to live to their full potential, which is really self-sufficiency and being able to be the most that they can be. As is known by many that the highest level of tzedakah or social justice is the ability to make individuals self-proficient. And the fact that you do that every day is really what is like repairing the world or repairing Atlanta. So thank you for that dedication and description. I'm super curious. So you're newer to Atlanta. Could you share with us about your career trajectory and what brought you to the position that you're in now? What I would say would be a non-traditional candidate. So usually if you talk to CEOs of human service agencies, they will have come up through the nonprofit ranks. And my career path is much, much different than that. First of all, I'm from Minnesota. I'm a third generation Minnesotan. I had a 20 year business career, hit pause when I was home with four teenagers. And after five years of that, when three of my four kids were going off to college, I ran for public office. I was elected to the Minnesota State Senate and I served there for 11 years. My final term in office, I was the chair of the higher ed division for the Minnesota State Senate. And then my husband, out of the blue, uh, was recruited to join Delta Airlines. And so uh, because that opportunity happened and we decided as a family that it was something that was a wonderful opportunity, um, I stepped down from my position and then became open to what might happen for me and my career in Atlanta. When I learned of this particular position, I jumped at it. I thought, oh my gosh, I could still continue the work that I loved in the political arena, but I could do it from the front lines instead of making policy that hopefully 
transforms lives. I could actually be in a position in partnership with my staff and colleagues to deliver those kinds of transformational services. What an inspiring story. Most people, and correct me if I'm wrong, take the opposite route, meaning they do the sub public service fully before entering into political office, but you're able to see it from a totally different perspective than most individuals. What is it about that and that unique value that you're bringing to the table that you hope really helps advance JF and CS? Well, I think the training I got as an elected official where everybody in my district was my family, that training is invaluable. And in fact, I would say that training originally came from my dad. So my family had a chain of women's clothing stores in the Twin Cities, and I worked for my dad in a family business before I went to Tonka Toys and was in the toy business. But he taught me that everybody who walks in the door of our store is our family. All staff is our family. And that's how I approached my public service, and that's how I've approached leading at Jeff and CS. And so to be able to look at the Atlantic community through that lens of what will it take to make sure that our services are of the highest quality, that we partner with those who can help increase exponentially the impact we can make so that we can in fact make sure that the touches that we have with each and every person is something that moves them forward. And I can't really pinpoint how one has led to the other or shaped it, but I'm so clear as I listen to the day-to-day -day of what's going on at Jeff and CS that all of my actions are informed by that experience. I still have constituents who call me on my cell phone because I'm in Atlanta and they'll say, I still can't get help from so-and-so and I give them advice and I help connect them. And so you never stop doing what you did, you just add to it. It's so powerful what you just described, because being that the Jewish Family and Career Services is guided by Jewish values, that value of family, mishpacha, or kihila, community, the fact that it really shows that individuals that are still calling on you shows like how reliable and what a difference in, uh, you made in, in their lives. So could you share with us about a couple of the programs at JFNCA and what makes you really excited about them? It's hard to pick which one, but for example, during this time, so many young parents have so much anxiety around how can they be there for their children? How can they be both educator and parent and employee? Because they have their careers and yet their kids are now you know, learning virtually at home. And so we just see tremendous amounts of stress. So we have a mental health practice. We've actually partnered with In the City Camp, who does programming for young families. And we've created a partnership called Parenting in the Pandemic, where we offer support groups for parents, where we're available one-on-one -on -one to do coaching. And we're continuing to look at, as this crisis doesn't show any signs of letting up, we continue to look at our mental health practice from that perspective. How can we leverage our expertise? We have 28 clinicians and we've expanded during this time to make sure that we can address the mental health needs of the community. In addition, we believe that there 
is more need in the teen arena than ever before. So I know, Brad, you actually spoke to Leslie Lubell, who is the manager of our HAMSA program, Helping Atlantans Manage Substance Abuse. That's one facet of the area where we serve the teen community, but it's so much broader. And so we are intentionally gonna expand our service offerings for children, adolescents, and their families. It's really powerful thinking about, I mean, not only powerful, like those names are super clever. Parenting during the pandemic, Homs. Do you know how that name came about? I don't know how Hamsa came about. I know that it's been around for quite some time, and I agree with you. One thing I'll say about being the CEO of Jeff and CS, what an honor to walk into an agency that has this 100-year reputation that is so highly regarded that each and every program has been thoughtfully named, branded. I agree with you. Very, very clever. That leads me to my next question, which is you're coming into this agency that has great programs that's established in the Atlanta community and with something that's already like really great. How, what's your vision for the future or even making it greater than it already is? The vision that I have is about partnership and collaboration. We can be strong partners in each of the service areas and we can use our legacy and our generational success to, to reach more people. So for example, we had a very small kosher food pantry. And pretty much we were serving people who were already our clients who had need for food. They were you know, living in, in poverty and had challenges. When this happened, we saw the need grow from very small to tremendous. So just for example, since March, we've delivered 100,000 pounds of food. We serve 160 people weekly. We are now in partnership with the Atlanta Community Food Bank with Second Helpings. We went to the Jewish Day School. The Epstein School is one of the Jewish Day Schools. We heard that they were using their kitchen to make meals for those in need. We went to them and asked them if we could deliver the meals they were making to people living in our senior living homes. And so that's just one small example of how looking through the lens of partnership, taking the basic tenets of what we do well and seeing how we can grow and replicate that. Another example, we have the Ben Massell Dental Clinic. Ben Massell Dental Clinic is a 100% charity care dental clinic. One of the few in the country that does both oral surgery, orthodontia, prevention, everything related to dental care, 100% free. Well, during COVID, we had to stop doing that because it was no longer safe to provide dental care during that time. Our dentists, our volunteer, they were not able to come and do that volunteer work. And so we put hit pause on that, but we still had all of those clients and patients that we knew were in need of our services because we didn't just provide dental care. We also have social work services and case management that were reaching them. So we partnered with two different organizations and we packaged food to deliver food to those same patients. So again, it's being able, my vision is that in every case where we have a service area that we look to see what do we do well and we grow it. 
How can we partner with others who are doing similar things and make sure that we reduce duplication and enhance the quality of our work? And where we're not best in class, let it go and give it to somebody else. That's great. I mean, taking that gestalt theory and applying it to community, meaning that together we're greater than our individual parts is so rare and so refreshing. And it makes so much sense as so many legacy institutions struggle to redefine themselves. Honing deep into partnerships on a larger scale is really something that makes sense that would enable an organization that is a legacy organization to be enabled to do so. I'd like to jump down a little bit more on the micro level. Could you share with us a story or two? I love the stories because they always have an emotional, heartfelt element to it. A story or two, a success story as it pertains to one or two of your programs in JFNCS. We've actually done a video about this particular story, which we can share with those listeners later. But for example, this woman, Sarah, she had breast cancer. She was going through treatment. COVID happened. And because it put her at risk, she had to quit her job. She couldn't take the risk of being out in the community going through her chemotherapy. Once she quit her job, she no longer had money for food, for rent. And so we were able to provide her with support in terms of emergency financial assistance, food, and mental health support. And so she is so very grateful that we have featured her in a video. That was just one example. We have this program called One Good Deed, which it used to provide companionship to seniors who were lonely and isolated. Now we've got all of these seniors during this time who are in virtual lockdown mode because they're living in assisted living or they're living in communal places where nobody's allowed to come in. They can't see their family. They're not allowed really to roam the halls because of the concerns around this spread of COVID. And so we have redeployed our approach to One Good Deed and we're doing phone visits, we're doing virtual visits. We've got 150 weekly visits that we do to those who are isolated. That's spectacular. I just think about my grandparents who are no longer alive, but if they were living, how hard it would have been to be separated from them. And especially if they live out of state, how lonely they would be. So that just warms my heart. That made my day. It's kind of sad, isn't it? I mean, it does bring tears to your eyes when you think about how hard it is for these seniors and for them to comprehend. We do a lot with Holocaust survivors. We serve Holocaust survivors across the whole Southeast region. And when you think about those individuals who have gone through so much and they, you know, have, are now at a point in their lives where they're isolated again, and some of what's happening can be triggering for them. And so I really take my hat off to those of our clinicians and our case managers who are providing comfort and safety and security. We have these concerts where we go, they're pop-up concerts, and we may go to some survivor's apartment building or their home, and in the driveway, we play music and they look out the window and they're so just pleased and connected and it brings a whole level of positivity to their days. You're doing so much good for so many people. How can our listeners get involved and what can our listeners do to help you? 
there's a lot our listeners can do. Right now, we are in the middle of what we call our annual campaign, but it's the Real Need campaign. And we call it that because the people that we are helping each and every day are truly people with real needs. And so we have to raise a lot of resources to be able to meet their needs more than ever. We need to have those who are able to give, we need their financial support. We need that philanthropic support so that we can continue to meet the growing demands that really don't seem to stop. People can give by going to jfcsatl.org. There's a donate button. And again, we would be so very grateful if the listeners would, after hearing this, just give $100, $1,000, $10, whatever feels right for them. The way that you just asked was very inspiring for me. So I'm, I'm happy to also make a donation. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Are there ways, please, I, I'll visit the website. Are there also like volunteer opportunities or things like that on, for there JFMCS? Are. I don't know if listeners are from all over the Atlanta region, but we, when you look at the food delivery process that we have in place, it's difficult to get the food right now. And so we have employed a, truly an army of volunteers. We have a lead volunteer and she puts out the word to all of her volunteers. So Tara contacts all of her volunteers and sends them shopping and they go grocery shopping and then they bring the food to Jeff and CS. So we can always use volunteers in that area. Volunteers doing our calls for one good deed with our seniors. Volunteers to work in our pantry. There are many, many ways to volunteer and you can find that on our website. That's great. And what other ways can people find JFNCS with your online presence? Sure. So you can go to our Facebook. We have a Facebook account, LinkedIn. Speaking of LinkedIn, I don't know if I spoke of the work that we're doing right now in careers. Many have lost their jobs during this time. And that brings so many challenges, not just financially, but mental health needs. And so we want to do all we can to make sure the people in our community have pathways to get back to work. So we have career services workshops, we have LinkedIn workshops, we have resume writing workshops, and one-on-one -on -one support to help people get jobs right now. And so I want to make sure that our listeners, particularly those who either have lost their job or know of somebody, know that they can get help at JFNCS. So that wasn't the question you asked. The question you asked is how else can you follow us? And you can follow us on Facebook and you can follow us on LinkedIn, which is what reminded me of careers and Instagram. And our handle is at JFCSATL. That's really great. And thank you so much for joining today for the Growth Exponential Podcast. And I want to wish you tremendous success in all your worthy endeavors. Well, thank you for doing this podcast. And I love the name of it, Growth Exponential. And that's just how we feel about the services that we provide as well, that the needs are exponential. And so we need to make sure that we continue to have the support so that we can meet those exponential needs. But I've been listening to your podcast. You do a great job and really a big You've been listening to the Growth Exponential Podcast. If you know an executive director or nonprofit professional that you think I should interview, shoot me an email at bradley at growthexponential.org.